going to have an interesting conversation here, and it's, I mean, it'll be a lot of fun for a lot of you, because you get to tee off on the NDP, you get to tee off on uh, the Liberals, and rightfully so. But there's, there's an important uh, element to all of this when it comes to um, how we go about discussing important things, right? And there are times when we can all get carried away. It happens to the best of us. Uh, you can end up doing more harm than good if you're not careful. If you get too carried away, you can create problems for yourself. Um, and I think that's where Charlie Angus, the NDP MP from BC, is currently caught. That very trap right now as we speak. Angus is the guy who last week introduced a private member's bill that would ban oil and gas advertising. He was pretty happy with himself. This is why I'm so proud to stand here today to state that the time has come to ban all oil and gas advertising. The big tobacco moment has finally arrived for big oil. No, it hasn't. <laughs> He'd like it to, perhaps. I'm not sure. I, but the reaction has been vitriolic, and it's coming from all corners. He's been raked over the coals ever since. And let's be clear, this bill is not going anywhere. This is not going to become law. It doesn't have a chance. I don't even know, and I haven't heard a lot from other NDP MPs, what they think or what they say, but I, I imagine he would have a tough time convincing a lot of people in his own party that this idea is the least bit sane. Kelly Kreiderman is an Alberta-based columnist for the Globe and Mail and recently wrote about this situation. Kelly, thanks so much for joining us. I, I really appreciate your time talking about this. Hi, Shay. It's nice to be here. So I think, you know, like I said, I think Charlie Angus probably thought he had a winner here. He sounded really happy with himself. So he, the thinking was he's doing something good, I imagine, right? I, I think so. I, I think that, you know, I, I wrote about that he has legitimate concerns about yeah. the impact of climate change, about forest fires, about uh, whether workers are actually getting hired in the oil and gas industry these days or we're automating uh, a lot and whether uh, allowing advertising from the fossil fuel sector is akin to allowing tobacco companies to um, to run whatever advertising they want. That's the comparison he made. And I also think in any decision like this, when you're a backbench MP, uh, you're also looking for attention. Yep. You're looking yep. to start a controversy because it has brought of att attention. He got he got Pierre Polyev tweeting about it. He got Daniel Smith tweeting about it. He got the industry tweeted tweeting about it, which he seemed to relish. And, and you know, I think he brings up some good points. I think the bill itself is absurd, and I wrote that. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I think it's a big concern about free speech, and I think comparing tobacco to fossil fuels is very tempting, but a wrong argument because it's way easier to quit smoking than it is to quit oil, I can tell you that. And I do worry about this, and The Globe wrote about this today in a, in a follow-up editorial, that, you know, we're in an era where... You know, it's the fight that matters. It's taking the extreme position that matters and gets the attention. And, you know, I'm thinking about the columnist Paul Wells, who I think is great. And he wrote recently, you know, the world is full of people who want you to know that they can win a fight right now. And it's killing us as a society. And I worry, you know, as much as we have that on the right side of politics, that is also possible and is happening on the left side of politics. Absolutely. I think you're absolutely right. And okay, so if we go back to this bill, first of all, mm -hmm. the, the premise like banning oil and tobacco or oil and gas advertising like we did with tobacco, that's it's not going to solve the problem anyway. It's not the advertising that's the issue. That's uh, so I, I, it doesn't advance it in that way. But 
I mean, the, the, the problem, I think, and why he's having so much trouble, and this is the important part, and you wrote about this, it's an important mm-hmm. conversation. And when you come mm-hmm. up with, you know, we're going to make, actually speaking the truth, like he says, you can't promote one form of fossil fuel over another. Well, scientifically, it's, it's true, Charlie. I mean, you're not, you can't criminalize that. You do damage mm-hmm. to the entire conversation, right, Kelly? I I do think so. I think we are in a time where we do have to talk about trade-offs and the best paths, right? We can talk about uh, the Western countries shutting down fossil fuels and not doing that kind of work, and we can leave it to OPEC. We can leave it to Russia. We can leave ourselves in a situation where we're facing uh, very serious concerns about energy security, and we might have thought we were in an era where we were past that, and that's something from decades past, but we're actually in an era where energy security is going to become a much bigger deal, and our domestic supplies and our Western supplies are going to become a much bigger deal, and that has been shown, and that played out um, in in Russia's invasion of, U- of Ukraine. And frankly, you know, if I made that argument before then, it wasn't listened to. If I made the argument before uh, Russia invaded Ukraine, that we should care about domestic supplies of fossil fuels and Western supplies. It didn't have much of an audience. Now it does. And I think people have seen, okay, we're saying we can't have oil sands production, but we're going to allow Russia or OPEC to expand their production and be reliant on them. Is that a good idea? Is it possible for natural gas-fired power to displace some coal-fired power in the world? Those are all important discussions without denying the existence of climate change and without denying that action has to be taken. We can have those discussions about trade-offs. You're making too much sense. I think this bill is dangerous and it it would, it would put, it would uh, put a big Tupperware container over those kind of discussions because it wouldn't allow one specific industry basically to comment on this. And my point is, okay, so we're going to allow the rampant consumers of fossil fuels like the travel industry, like the transport industry, like the home building industry. We're going to allow them to talk about whatever they want, but not the producers of the fossil fuels. And I think it comes down to also a longstanding frustration of Albertans that there is the focus on the production of fossil fuels and less of a focus on the consumption of fossil fuels. Yeah, exactly. Hit the nail right <laughs> on. Long there. No, no, you're absolutely. It's an important conversation because we, when we, when we get into the all or nothing arguments, when we get to the fringes, the the outskirts of the argument, there's nowhere to go, right? If we spend more time talking about the common ground, all of the things that you just yeah. talked about, we can actually make progress and we can come to reasonable solutions of some of the problems we're facing. But when it's all in or all out, where do you go? There, there's there's absolutely no starting point. And we, we know this is this is a problem on discussions far beyond oil and gas and climate. But, you know, it is, it is uh, shown definitely in this debate, and there has been big switches in, in recent years on this. You know, like, we are seeing this, this the, the, a more nuanced debate play out, yeah. I would say, um, on oil and gas, because people are realizing that, as much as an energy transition is desirable and reducing our use of fossil fuels is desirable, there also is a cost to that. And discussing that is also important in the trade-offs that we're talking about. And there's a reality, Kelly, that you can't escape. We, we need the <laughs> energy to do certain things. And that reality is immovable. It, it's a transformation. It will take time. But the reality is the reality of today, tomorrow, and it'll be different. But we got to deal with the reality that we're living in. 
Indeed. And Charlie Angus is an interesting MP. He comes from a, a working class mining uh, riding around Timmins, and he, he does he is he does appreciate um, resource jobs and working class jobs. And I think it is a, a function of our country that we are so separate in terms of our industries and our interests that it is hard for someone. And I get letters uh, about this working for the Globe and Mail that, you know, people in Ontario or Quebec or maybe uh, some other parts of the country don't view themselves as, don't view Canada as a major oil and gas producer, which we are, because they do not have any of it in their backyard. And that, that because we're such a big country and our economies are so different based on what region you're in, it is difficult to view your country that way when you are totally disconnected from that. And I think that's also also part of the issue here is that if you don't see the economic benefits right where you live or you don't understand some granular parts of the industry, that it is very difficult for you to care about any economic impacts. You make so many great points. Kelly, I can't thank you enough for being here. That was fantastic. I really appreciate it. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.